plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star. Are you are the party starts now? Well, it is the star style day. Hello, welcome, power partners. It's the 21st anniversary of Be the Star You Are. Hooray, hooray, hooray! And we have an incredible hour of power for you. Uh, coming right up, you're gonna get to talk to Hannah Hendall, one of our Express Yourself hosts and a longtime volunteer with Be The Star You Are with her new project, Bridging Borders Project, which is really exciting, a, a collaboration, multinational collaboration to combat COVID-19. And do, boy, do we need that. In segment two, we're going to interview author Julie Weston and photographer Gary Morrison with their really amazing coffee table book, The Magic universe of the ancients it's a desert journal in our Wednesdays with writers and uh, performers and then we'll talk all about the importance of uh, masks so the miracle moment for today is brought to you by be the star you are charity and please go to the website be the star you are.org consider making a donation 21 this is hey we're legal drinking age I think it's time to to have a glass of champagne and this is as Sydney Lovett said this every now and again take a good look at something not made with hands a mountain a star a turn of the stream there will come to you wisdom and patience and solace and above all the assurance that you are not alone in the world and with that we're going to get right into our 21st anniversary show and bring to you our amazing guest Henna Hundal she as you probably all remember if you've been listening to Express Yourself, was a long-time host. She has graduated from Harvard. She has a bachelor's degree in human development and regenerative biology. And she has launched this incredible uh, new show that you're going to have to watch called Bridging Borders Project. I love Henna. Hello, beautiful Henna. Welcome Hello. to Star Style. <laughs> Hello, Cynthia. Thank you for bringing me on to this power hour. It's always such a pleasure to connect with you. And we go back. We go so back. I, I mean, know. I think six or seven years at this point. But every time I feel like we, we talk, it's sort of like a new magic. Magic. Well, you were just yeah. in high school when you started with us and you, you know, you started doing a segment on the radio and before long you were hosting and then, uh, you know, you graduated, you got into Harvard, you started your own radio show there at Harvard. <laughs> you interviewed journey with me. It, you know, it's such an, a pleasure and an honor to be back for the 21st anniversary episode. As you mentioned, I joined BTSYA when I was a junior in high school and it totally transformed, I mean, my life. Like, I, I don't think the work I would be doing right now, the Bridging Borders Project, which we'll get into, would have ever happened if I didn't get the tools for, you know, confidence and public speaking and all those wonderful skill sets that BTSYA cultivated for me. So, you know, you mentioned earlier on encouraging people to check out the website and make a donation and support this wonderful programming. Um, that gets a plus one for me. 
Well, thank you. I'm so glad to hear that. And, you know, the reality is, is I just I remember when you because uh, you always were into the medical kind of, you know, human development, you biology. And when you got on the radio, you were health with henna. So yeah. you were talking about health, right? Yeah. And so now you've brought it full circle. So this is so exciting, this Bridging Borders project. You are interviewing a very, uh, well, you're inv- interviewing heads of state from across the world. Tell us about it. You have a co-host that works with you. He has a degree from Harvard as well. But, oh my gosh, you've inv- you have interviewed prime ministers and governors and presidents, uh, secretary generals. Uh, tell yeah. us about what is going on, how this came about, and, um, and what we can do to get more information out there about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I'd love to connect the dots. And the dots really do begin with my Health with Hannah segment that I started um, on Express Yourself Teen Radio with your support. And, you know, that really helped me grow my bones. And I, I found this love for reporting on science and health. Um, and so, you know, fast forward to today, in the midst of this global pandemic, I think it's more important than ever that people have accurate, uh, relevant information. And the reason that I actually started this program is because, you know, I was interested in looking at the epidemiological outcomes among different countries because, you know, for the United States for a while was doing sort of okay. Um, and then now, obviously, the cases have just skyrocketed. But you have other countries like Canada, um, countries like Bhutan, where, you know, the cases have remained relatively steady. And so I was really interested in kind of the policy measures and the action plans that leaders around the world have taken in the midst of this pandemic and putting all of that information onto one platform so listeners can really see, okay, what has worked and what hasn't worked in terms of bringing this pandemic to a close. And so that's what the program really offers our listeners. I mean, we bring one expert on from each country. They're typically the head of state or the head of government. Um, And then sometimes we have like the first lady of Iceland, for example, gave some insight into how Iceland has managed the pandemic. I Um, enjoyed that interview so much. I mean, having been in, I was in Iceland last year and I think it's just a marvelous country. And I, I really, and of course she's Canadian, you know? Yeah. 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 So which was, uh, and you're, co-host is Canadian, but I just found that was such an enlightening interview. So tell us, tell us, Hannah, how have you chosen and invited these particular guests on and what is actually the format? What are the questions that you want to find out from them? I mean, obviously it's how they're handling the pandemic, but what have you personally learned? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a a core set of, I would say, five questions that we ask every guest from each of these countries. And those questions are, you know, what is the severity of the pandemic in your country? You know, what is the death toll? Um, How quickly or did you implement quarantine measures? How are you promoting social distancing? And do you have mask mandates? So those are kind of the key indicators um, that help us understand the epidemiological outcomes of these countries in, in more granularity. And um, it gives you, you, you get to compare oranges to yes, oranges, right? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right. Cause we all sort of, we can compare that based on, you know, when the pandemic started and see, okay, you know, maybe if some of the countries implemented quarantine measures earlier, Oh, look, that's actually really helped control the caseload. But you mentioned Iceland and that's a great example of the second part of your question, which is sort of how do you, you know, craft these interviews and, 
um, you know, the First Lady of Iceland talked in great detail about kind of tourism because Iceland's economy is so heavily dependent on tourism. Um, it's the number one contributor to their GDP. So as you can imagine, when you have all these pandemic control measures, that's really impacted the economy. So what's been great about the series is not only do we answer those core questions or get those answers from the leaders, we also delve into really, you know, questions that are contextualized to each country, such as how are you recovering from the hits to tourism? Um, you know, that, that's been a huge issue in the Caribbean as well. So we've interviewed a number of the leaders in the Caribbean because you know, the economies really depend on outside people coming in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was also really interested. You in, you interviewed pre, uh, Principal Chief Chuck Hoss. I don't know if is it Hoskin Jr. of the Cherokee Nation. Yes. How, uh, tell us about the, you know, not only the Cherokee Nation, but uh, Native American indigenous people mm-hmm. in general. How How is that going? What did you find there? Yeah, you know, that's been something that's really been important to my co-host and I in this series is to highlight all types of leaders. So when we think about leaders, not just thinking about prime ministers and presidents and people who sit around, you know, the United Nations table and make decisions, um, but also leaders who are, you know, managing the pandemic for communities that have been disproportionately affected. And so the indigenous communities in North America are a great example of that. Um, Navajo Nation actually recorded a higher per capita infection rate than any U.S. state. And And that was President Jonathan Nays that you interviewed, right? Yes. And what was so telling, uh, revealing from that interview is he talked about kind of the infrastructure issues that give way to Navajo Nation experiencing the brunt of this crisis. For example, 30% of households on the reservation don't have access to running water. So when you talk about... So there's no sanitation. It's difficult to have sanitation. So, you know, when you when you talk about CDC guidelines like hand washing, I mean, there are structural problems here that, you know, are going to require a greater sort of effort than just encouraging people to wear a mask or wash their hands. Um, so it's been really interesting to get at these kind of systemic structural issues that have been in place for, for decades, truly. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping now that after the series, after this pandemic, we kind of get serious about fixing these gaping holes. And so overall, have you created kind of a roadmap of where we've been, where we're going, who's doing it right, what we can learn from each other. What is it that is really standing out for you? Yeah, I mean, one theme over and over from the countries that have, for the most part, got the virus under control quickly is that they called in the healthcare experts very early on. And they were really So in other willing- words, they were listening to science, right? They were listening to science. I and mean, a yes. great example of that is um, we had an interview with the prime minister of Bhutan, which is a country in South Asia, a very small country around, you know, 700,000 population-wise. Um, and their prime minister, Mr. Lothay Shering, is actually a doctor. So he practices as a doctor on the week. So as you can imagine, he's sort of seeing the crisis up close, close, up front, personal. Absolutely. He was one of the first to implement these sort of quarantine measures. So tell us about that country and what he experienced and how he implemented, you know, change and distancing and mask and explain all of that. Yeah. So, you know, he he talked about this was way back in in May, sort of in the earlier stages of the pandemic. He had implemented strict quarantine control measures. Um, Any new arrivals to Bhutan had to quarantine for three weeks. Then they administered a test to them after three weeks on the 22nd day. Um, And, you know, what, what they were able to find is that they actually effectively controlled community transmission that way. 
Um, and he also talked about, you know, the shortage of PPE in the country. And of course, PPE, personal protective equipment, um, has been in short supply around the world. And U.S. doctors are really dealing with that as well. And so he talked about actually, you know, because he's in the hospital and needing PPE himself, right. you know, he's actually started initiatives to um, produce domestically produce PPE in Bhutan, which they haven't been able to do before. Um, so it's been really interesting to see, you know, there are, I think he's one of the only healthcare professionals who also is a head of government in this world. Um, so what kind of insight that gave him? But I think that's replicable across other countries. You don't have to be a healthcare expert to listen to them. No, and I think that's the secret is that so many people, um, unfortunately, in politics aren't listening to science. And in a pandemic, we need we need the science. We need the epidemiology. We need to know what's working, what's not working. And do you find in everybody you've talked to that the social distancing, the wearing of masks, and also quarantine, it sounds like it, that is what's really important. That is what's really important. And, you know, it, it's so easy, I think, to be kind of lost in this um, um, information quagmire where people are just sharing WhatsApp forward after WhatsApp forward or retweeting after retweeting or sharing all these Facebook posts and not tracking down the sources. Um, we sort of live in this information age where with that, when everything is, at, you know, at our fingertips, um, it's very easy to not, you know, curate our information effectively because we have so much of it to choose from. Um, so really picking where you get your facts from is important because some of them are not facts. Well, uh, first of all, if you're just joining us, we're talking to Hannah Handal. She and her co-host, is it, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Yeah, yeah. So his name is Sai Rajagopal. And we were actually the first person that we each met when we came to Harvard. Oh, um, I love it. So yeah, it's been a great partnership ever since. Ooh, well, they, they co-host this wonderful, wonderful online, I call it a TV show, online show called Bridging Borders Project. And of course, you can find them Twitter, Bridging Project, Instagram, Bridging Borders Project, and their website is bridgingbordersproject.com. And they're both uh, Harvard graduates, and they are really on a mission to bring world leaders together to discuss what has worked, what hasn't worked, and so that we can share information so that as a world community, we can overcome this pandemic. So, Hannah, with all of the interviews you've done, and I also remember when you were at Harvard, you interviewed Bill Gates, who actually predicted a pandemic several years ago. <laughs> uh, which yeah. Was, yeah, which is, I mean, and, you know, he's so, such an advocate for the whole climate change and, you know, things that we have to do. What are your takeaways as a whole from all the different world leaders that you have now um, experienced? I mean, you've done the governor of Guam, you've done president of Tibet, Malta, San Marino, you know, Europe, Cyprus. I mean, there's so many, Antigua, Barbuda, all these places that um, you've done. What are you finding? What What's the takeaway for people right now that are listening to Star Style and they want to keep safe, what can they do? Yeah, I mean, so, so on a broad level, on a macro level, the takeaway is truly that we have to work with each other. Um, so that means not only countries working with each other and, and cooperating and coordinating across their regions, 
but also us sort of as an American family working with each other, you know, doing our part, doing our fair share to bring this pandemic to a close. Um, you know, in these interviews, we've talked to, for example, many Caribbean nations who are having to come together and pool their resources and figure out how do we stop the spread of a virus that frankly doesn't stop at, you know, the borders of a country. So you really have to come together with other leaders. In the same way, you know, in our sort of American family, we have to come together and, and do our part and follow the science um, and work together or we won't be able to to reach the other side of this. Are, are the leaders seeing that we're going to have a vaccine in the near future? Or does it still seem positive? Yeah, you know, so uh, the CEO of Pfizer um, recently gave an interview in which he said that by October they would have more information to share. So I think uh, one will come eventually. Uh, the timetable for that is pretty still up in the air. And uh, outside of bridgingbordersproject.com, where people can go to listen to all these different interviews, I mean, and watch you, actually watch yeah. interviews. So that's what I love. It's not just listening. It's not radio. It's watching. So you can actually watch Hannah and Sai and, um, and the guests. Uh, but outside of that, do you recommend that people follow the CDC, World Health Organization? What science sh websites or what science should they be listening to? Because as you're saying, we are bombarded with, you know, every kind of social media that's probably not right. And I, I keep getting emails from people with stuff that's just baloney. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's so difficult because we have this sort of influx of information. And that's a great privilege because we actually have access to so much information that, you know, wouldn't be enabled without technology. But on the same note, we have to be really smart about, you know, taking that information with a great assault. So, yeah, you mentioned the CDC, the WHO. Um, those are those are great resources. Um, and of course, you know, hand washing six feet apart, wearing a mask, um, you know, and make, making sure that if you think you've been exposed, um, getting tested and, and making sure to quarantine yourself so you don't um, expose anybody else. Um, it's a lot of, you know, common sense procedures. Um, but in a, in a pandemic, when there's pandemonium, it can be easy to leave common sense by the wayside. Um, so, you know, I think I think everybody, if we did our, our fair share, um, as I've been seeing in these other countries from speaking with these leaders, if everybody kind of, you know, came together and made a pact to do our part, um, I think we could stave this off uh, a little bit better until the vaccine came along. So beautifully said. As always, Hannah, it is such a pleasure to talk with you and to have you um, on Star Style. Thank she'll you. Be, and she'll be, she's on Express Yourself uh, still from time to time, so definitely check that out. But please go to this website, bridgingbordersproject.com. You'll be very impressed with the interviews you'll get to see and hear from directly from the leaders from a um, plethora of countries, always growing because the the interviews are continuing. And Hannah, congratulations on what you're doing. I'm so proud Thank of you. you. <laughs> and you've always just been such a light here at Be The Star You Are. We couldn't be more delighted oh. to have you on our 21st anniversary show. And I have to add a, a gratitude note to you as well, Cynthia. You are transforming lives. I'm living proof of that. Um, so everybody... We, we owe everything to Cynthia. We really do. Uh, well, thank you so much, Hannah. Congratulations again. And again, everyone, please go to bridgingbordersproject.com. 
take heed of this information and please stay with the science. Visit the CDC or who to find out your information and bridgingbordersproject.com. That was Henna Handal. I'm Cynthia Bryan. We'll be back when I come back from break with the magical universe of the ancients. Please stay with us. You're listening live to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We're coming to you on the Voice America Network. Back in a bit. Be the star you are. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Well, it's so exciting to be having a power party on our 21st anniversary. Today is the actual 21st anniversary of Be The Star You Are charity. I, just, I can't believe that we're still, we're still going. Thank you for being with us. We are coming to you live on the Voice America Network. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And, of course, the show is Star Style, Be The Star You Are. With our Wednesdays with writers and um, performers, today we have special guests. We have both an author and a photographer on with the book, The Magical Universe of the Ancients. It's a desert journal. It is illustrated in words and photographs, and it has just incredibly stunning vistas of what is happening in the Southwest and the mysteries of this ancient land. Joining us are Julie Weston. She has many awards as a writer. And Gary Morrison is a published photographer who tries to... Um, capture moments with light and painting a scene in a beautiful and attractive way. So welcome, Julie and Gary, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Thank you, Cynthia, and happy anniversary. Thank Thank you. Thank you so much. I feel like I should have a 
glass of champagne here and you should have one too. So we are going to pretend <laughs> that we are. Uh, you know what? Speaking of that, all right, we're going to talk about the magical universe of the ancients, your desert journal. Um, you just made me think of this one thing in the book with that you talked about that the two of you were got locked out of your room and you actually had a couple of bottle of wines that you were going to give to some friends, but gosh, you had to have a toast when you finally got back in. I thought, Hey, my kind of people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, let's start with the book. Tell us what, why you decided to write the book, because I do really appreciate the fact that in you want to capture the essence of the Southwest and the mystery and the magic and the beauty of ancient cultures and what they had to say, because there's so much push today to eradicate the past and to give in to, um, to monetary measures. And that makes me very, very sad. So tell us about your impetus and, and just what brought you to writing The Magical Universe of the Ancients. Well, we initially began to travel in the southwest around the Four Corners area, which is uh, Utah, New Mexico, Arizona, and Colorado, partly to escape the rain in Seattle, where we lived at the time. (laughs) Right. It definitely sounds rainy. You really described it as pretty gray and pretty rainy all the time. (laughs) <laughs> well, it, it, I think the climate's changing a bit, but it was. we went mostly in the spring, and it's nearly always rainy in the spring. Uh, once we started going into this area, we discovered how beautiful it was, and we became intrigued with the uh, history of the indigenous peoples there, uh, which was evidenced by pictographs and petroglyphs and old ruins. Um, and we traveled four or five different years, the last couple of years were uh, by Lama in the Grand Gulch in the Colorado Plateau. Um, and Gary took all these wonderful photographs, and I kept a journal the whole time. Um, and we had not decided in particular to write a book about it, uh, but as you point out, recently the administration has been trying to reduce the size of various national monuments, which were previously named under the Antiquities Act by presidents of the United States. Um, That's an act that provided presidents the power to do so, and it began with Theodore Roosevelt clear back in in the early 1900s, beginning with the Devil's Tower in Wyoming. So when we saw uh, these attacks on the area, we decided, let's put this book together. If people could see how beautiful it is there and how stunning it is and how old the civilizations were, they go back 10,000 years, and some places have been uh, inhabited for 5,000 years without interruption. And so that was our impetus for putting this all together and getting it out as a book. We wanted more people to see it. Uh, We didn't realize, of course, the pandemic was coming, but uh, and these parks are heavily traveled, but this year they're not. So we're hoping this will get out to people so they'll understand what needs to be protected and how beautiful mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I didn't really realize that presidents can, you know, on monument a monument that's already been established, and there were. I mean, it's was thousands of acres that are 
are going to be allowed to drill and all this. I mean, it, it really seems very sad. So, Gary, what, um, what was your thoughts? Uh, so many of your photos are in black and white, and then, you know, your, the book is sprinkled throughout with color ones. Do you like to shoot in black and white, or what was, what was, the, your, uh, what was your choices for doing this? Well, I should uh, give you a quick background. Um, I studied photography in 1954 in high school, and it was all black and white, of course. And, right, uh, of course, of course. And, and, uh, and you had a dark room, and, and so um, as I progressed <laughs> in my, my age, at least, um, I got more and more involved in, in taking photographs of occasionally people, but almost entirely of um, what you see in the outdoors and the, you know, in, in mountains or trips or whatever. And I became enthralled with Ansel Adams and others. And, and of course, they use large format cameras, which involves loading film in a dark room, sheet by sheet, and then putting it into a camera that's quite heavy. But but the uh, but the result is wonderful because the films are, in my case, it was a five by seven, um, Lenhof Technica, and uh, <clears throat> so I, I just you know I so I dark black and white is wonderful because it it captures lots of different uh, grades of gray and whites, and, and then, uh, you know, eventually uh, I got down to the desert southwest, and there were so many wonderful orange and, and other shades of orange colors, along with, of course, some flowers and plants and, that are <laughs> different, that, that I eventually graduated to... Uh, to, uh, to adding some color. In the flowers, you know, I'm looking right now at the Indian paintbrush and that, you know, it's just, it was, it was fun to turn a page and then from black and white and then have this pop of color and then you go back to, um, go back to black and white, which is just so stunning. But what really makes this book special is the combination of the photographs with the dialogue, with the journaling that you kept, um, Julie. I think that's what you describe the photos and then we see the photos. I wanted to ask you about um, the handprints, and I, which uh, whoever can answer, because on so many of the different, um, the different petroglyphs, they're the handprints. And mostly they were right hand, but once in a while you saw a left hand. Did you have any explanation? I know Joe, one of your guides, who's a botanist and naturalist and anthropologist, um, he seemed like he knew so much about everything. Did you ever get an explanation about that? We did not get a, an explanation. We had speculation. Uh, same with Joe. Uh, I thought maybe this was a way of showing an address, you know, in effect. Um, or it could be a way of performing a ceremony. Or, and then I'd wondered why some of them would be all right hands. And then in other places, they were right, right and left hands in different sizes. Right, um, exactly. That was so interesting. 
They are interesting, and uh, we would hold our hands up next to it to see how big they were, and sometimes they were baby hands or little girl hands, little boy hands, and sometimes they were much larger. They were obviously adults. Uh, and at the back of the book, we we had Joe, our guide, come and do a mural on our house, and we I added know. our own handprint. I was going <laughs> to talk about that. That was really fascinating. I mean, because... You, it. I mean, obviously, he's such an expert in you know the whole region, but the fact that you brought the region to your home, how is it to live with it? Because you put your handprints in there too. Yeah, we did. Um, we love having it. Um, Joe and I both chose uh, figures that are in various books or that we had seen, and the ones figures I liked the best were very tall. Uh, shades uh, look like people without arms and I said gee I like those because we do those and he said well I, those probably represent dead people so we didn't oh. do those because <laughs> I knew I couldn't live with it if I knew, knew, knew that they were you know shades in effect um, so we live with it well we enjoy it. it the colors match with our colors on our house so so it works so yeah, many really of the well. figures, like looking at the white figures, they have like um, like antenna, almost like they were Martians. They you do know? look like, the, don't they do? I, they and do. People yeah. have always commented on that, but there's no, how would we know, <laughs> I guess? No, there isn't, there isn't any, anything. So how did you actually choose locations to visit? Because on uh, one of your final trips, and obviously I love the fact that you went on the llamas and your llama, Seth, who is <laughs> always uh, panting and kind of humming, I guess is the right word, humming, one, right? Yeah, Seth, yeah, the one Seth. Is pictured in the book. <laughs> yes, I love Seth. Seth. Seth was, I love Seth was the one carrying our, our gear. We, yes. we Each couple was assigned a llama. Well, and you got, I mean, and Seth was, you had Seth two years in a row because the second year that you went on this trek, um, you met up with some of the other people who had been the May before, but there were mostly new llamas, but you got to have Seth and you were familiar already <laughs> with <it>. Seth. <laughs> that was very cool. But uh, what, what, you know, how did you choose where to go? And And what about all the climbing? I was like so impressed with, all the all the climbing that you did, and wow, <laughs> sleeping under the stars. Well, we did a lot of hiking. It was mostly fairly flat um, in the Grand Gulch, but we but did have to climb up to various. Pretty tough. Yeah, it, well, yeah, our, our feet suffered, but it wasn't really hard or. Indeed, it wasn't dangerous, although I was scared of that one point where the guide had to help me through a um, a very steep spot. But um, we were younger then. <laughs> well, <laughs> for Go the ahead, first Gary. several years, though, we, we, uh, we went on relatively short hikes, and, and we did it primarily by automobile, a Jeep, so we could get close enough to where our we thought the images would be good, and the uh, and structures so would talk be Talk about that, because you were talking about there was a, there's a lot of vandalism that has uh, transpired in so many of these, yes. I call them sacred places, because roads have been built and all of that. So well, what was your... 
Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say I wanted to get your input on the different, you know, on the vandalism, on the theft of many of the relics. The what? What did you experience? Did you find that there were more, you know, more of that when you had a road that you could drive your vehicle to, or when you were hiking? Was there less? I mean, I'm sure there was less when you were going into these places that aren't that explored. But that has to be. That's that's. I don't know. It sounds so irresponsible of people to ruin something for the future. I think it is irresponsible. And uh, there are many places that were damaged years and years ago, and they took out pots, and they took out baskets, and they took out uh, bones, you know, and clothes that had been left behind or buried. Um, But there was uh, a law passed in making this a crime, and that helped a lot, but also a lot of those things are just gone. And there, some of mm-hmm. them are in museums, but many of yeah. them are in private collections. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, um, your nephew, you wrote that your nephew is a doctor on the Navajo Reservation. And yes. um, it, tell us a little bit more about that, because obviously with the conditions and things that are there, it has to be challenging because of what he's seen. Do you have any idea what he's going through right now with the COVID-19? He continues to work on an Indian reservation, but it's in Lander, Wyoming. He has uh, spent his life actually working for Native organizations, and uh, he he loved the contact with with the now indigenous people, so... Mm. It sounds. It sounds. If this just sounds like a fascinating, fascinating trip, um, tell me a little bit about Coco Pelli. Coco Pelli is the the name of the figure that looks like a flute player, and it's found in many, many of the the pictographs around the area in the Four Corners. It it represents something like um, what a, a trickster, a little a little like a coyote. But it was a figure blowing the flute, sometimes with a tumescent phallus, and sometimes on his back, sometimes dancing. Um, it was an amazing figure to find, and we always looked for it when we were hiking. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the reason that you decided to call your book The Magical Universe of the Ancients? Initially, a lot of these people were were referred to as Anasazi, and that Mm -hmm. was a name that was somewhat derogatory from the Navajo language, we understand. And then now they're called Ancestral Pueblans, but uh, we thought because they go so far back, and I do have a time scale discussion in the book, that ancient fits all of them, uh, Mm -hmm. starting about 10,000 years ago, 8,000 years uh, before the Common Era, BCE. Uh, and these were many of the ancestors of the Hopi, Zuni, and um, Pueblo Indians. So that's, that's how we got the name Ancients. I thought that was a kind of a, a, fit, a name that would cover all of these. It does fit, style. and it works so well with Gary's photos. Because, Gary, when I look at these, I realize that we were inhabited by ancient cultures and they had their own magic and mystery and, you know, and fascination 
and we we have so much that we can learn. I wanted to ask you because we're running out of time, but Gary, did you how do you decide what photos to go in a book? I mean, you obviously were taking thousands of photos and they're all so lovely, isn't it? Challenging to choose just the right ones. Well, no, it isn't it isn't quite as challenging as that. If you were using a digital camera and you could just snap wherever you looked, that would be true. But if you're carrying the film on your back and in a pack that weighed probably 40 pounds, you were very careful with what you took pictures of. So these are pretty much all of them. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, see, you're obviously very astute at taking excellent photos. Well, let me give out your website. The name of the book is The Magical Universe of the Ancients. It's a desert journal. The text is by Julie Weston, and the photography is by Gary Morrison. And just so you know, they are husband and wife, and that makes it even more exciting. You can go to bigwoodbooks.com or magicaluniverseoftheancients.com, which is their website. Um, Julie Weston, you can visit her, juliewesten.com, J-U-L-I-E-W-E-S-T-O-N. And Gary Morrison, it's actually sp- uh, spelled like Jerry with a G, G-E-R-R-Y, Morrison Photography. They're also on Facebook and Instagram, and you can uh, get all kinds of information there. There's never quite enough time, but this is a beautiful coffee table book. Congratulations, Julie and Gary, on on putting this together. And I hope that your years of exploring um, not just Utah, Arizona, New Mexico, and Colorado are not in an end. I hope that you get to explore many more places of the ancients because we have a very magical world. So thank you for joining me on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Cynthia, thank you for thank having you, us. Thank you, Cynthia. We appreciate this and what you're doing for writers of the Artists Guild. Oh, you're so welcome. It is my pleasure. So again, visit their website, magicaluniverseoftheancients.com. JulieWeston.com and GaryMorrisonPhotography.com. Thank you again for being on the show. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We'll be right back, and we're going to finish up about um, our 21st anniversary and the importance of wearing masks during this pandemic. Be safe, everyone, and uh, Julie and Gary, thank you again. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Be the star you are. The star you are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. 
Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. BeTheStarYouAre.org. Dare to care. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show. Well, we've been having a power hour, and now we're going to talk uh, just a little bit about the truth about masks. But before we do, in celebrating our 21st anniversary, I just want to say thank you to all the supporters and our volunteers. Uh, It was September 9th, 1999, that we reached the milestone of getting our 501c3. And so it has been a struggle to stay alive and vibrant somehow with determination, vigilance, and the spirit to survive. We are celebrating 21 years today. So we're very, very grateful to all of you. Uh, Be the Star You Are is an all-volunteer charity. Um, and so we're totally supported by tax-deductible donations. But we still have the expenses of all the business, you know, rent, utilities, supplies, postage, internet, furniture, internet services, insurance, storage, you know, uh, legal, <laughs> it goes on and on. So uh, if you'd like to make a donation, please go to be the star you are.org or just BTS YA.org. I just want to just say what we have done with no paid staff and all volunteers since receiving our 501c3 status in 1999. We've served over 421,000 individuals and families. We've donated to 110 organizations. We've logged more than 500, 890,000 volunteer hours and still counting. We've distributed $2 million in resources. And we have broadcast over 2,200 of hours of positive programming through radio and television. We've published four signature award-winning books, and we have won several awards. And we have written and published over 2,200 now book reviews in collaboration with The Reading Tub and available on Express Yourself Creative Communities. So um, we have been honored by the California Assembly for our community service, nominated for California Governor's and First Lady Service Award, and been honored with five-star ratings at GuideStar. So visit btsya.org. Now, I just want to quickly, um, with the time we have left, piggyback on what Henna was saying with her Bridging Borders project about how we can stay safe during the pandemic and listening to the science and really, really trying to get a handle on this because health officials uh, recommend that people cover their faces in public spaces and everyone still wonders, are masks effective? And how do masks fight COVID-19? So the masks, the mouth and the nose are usually where the coronavirus first sets up camp and it serves as the portals for spreading the virus to new hosts. So the saliva of infected people teams up with virus particles, which are imminent, um, emitted in droplets when somebody coughs, sneezes, or even 
talks. The smaller droplets, they're called aerosols, those are launched when people speak or even just breathe. And then large droplets are thought to be the primary means of transmission, and they can be propelled six or more feet. Some places are saying as much as 12 feet now before gravity pulls them down to the ground. So aerosol droplets can hang in the air, still visible and potentially capable of causing infection for hours, especially in enclosed spaces with poor circulation. So by wearing a mask, you have a barrier on and it's blocking the droplets that are expelled by an infected person and it's slowing the velocity of particles that can sneak through. And to a lesser extent, they protect the wearer from receiving particles in their own mouth and nose. So we have to think about wearing a mask as actually protecting other people. So you're actually being very courteous and responsible when you wear a mask because nobody knows if you have it. You could be asymptomatic. There's no way of knowing unless you get tested. And how effective are they? uh, There's a lot of different studies that reach varying statistical conclusions, but the overwhelming consensus is that they help stem transmissions. There was an Australian data scientist who created a website called uh, maskedforall.co, and he identified 34 different papers from around the world showing effectiveness, and not a single one show otherwise. So researchers from National Institute of Health, NIH, performed a video experiment that offered a stark visual rendering of how masks work, And they used a laser light to illuminate the shower of droplets emitted when someone speaks and demonstrated how nearly all of them were blocked by a mask. So a a team of scientists and academics from Europe and California, they recently uh, built this computer simulator and it demonstrated that 80% of the population, that if 80% of the population wore masks, infection rates would plunge by more than 90%. So their findings line up remarkably with low infection rates in Asian countries, especially where mask wearing is near universal, like Hong Kong and Taiwan, um, each of which have had very few deaths. So countries that have flattened the curve um, are using masks in public. And so that's why uh, definitely check out Hannah's website and her TV show, uh, Bridging Borders Project, because the leaders of the nations are actually talking about the success rates and the failures that they're having. So, um, you know, the problem that we've been having with masks is it became a partisan symbol. And that makes me so angry because if masks are effective, why are some Americans so resistant to wearing them? So given that we have no history of masks wearing, I know it's kind of hard to wear them at first. I mean, I remember the first time I put mine on and other people weren't wearing it. It kind of felt like I was standing out, but I kept thinking to myself, okay, I am protecting people. That's the whole idea. So the major reason is the degree to which the pandemic has been politicized. Supporters of President Trump, uh, initially, because Trump resisted wearing a mask in the beginning because he thought it would make him look weak. So masks became um, indicated like this groundless fear of the virus whose dangers they believe were exaggerated. Um, in order to limit their freedom. Well, we're not limiting our freedom, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't matter what political party you belong to. Let's just try to keep each other safe and let's get this rid of this pandemic because we're not in a tribal market right now. So 
let's just forget about politics and let's just wear a mask. They are controversial, yeah, because there's been mixed signals originally from even health officials. But now the officials in all the science communities are saying the same thing. Wear a mask, stay six feet apart, shelter in place when you can, wash your hands. So hygiene is really important. And wash places, you know, wash your counters, wash your keys, wash your phone, wash your, wash, wash things that you touch. Interestingly, supposedly uh, the normal person touches their face like 24 times a day. And of course, we'd all like to wear these N95 masks, but those, we have to save them. We absolutely have to save them uh, for the um, health professionals. So you can double mask. I actually wear a just a regular surgical mask, and then I have, somebody gave me um, a star mask, which I love, so I wear that over it, so I double mask. So you know, don't just think of yourself. Think about all the people that you are protecting. And um, also consider now getting your flu shot pretty soon because the um, the doctors and the medical facilities are very concerned about a big, big upsurge in both the regular flu and the pandemic and not knowing uh, which is going to be which. So make sure to get a free sh uh, flu shot. They are free almost everywhere um, and at drugstores, so you don't even have to call your doctor. Well, that is our power hour for today, and I hope that um, that you are staying safe out there. Here in Northern California, it looks like it's dark outside. The whole sky is orange. There's ash everywhere. It has been, it's been a crazy, crazy day. So we're living under very strange times and we have to be kind. So remember that. So thanks for being great listeners, allowing me into your life every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. We're going to continue doing our Wednesdays with writers and performers here on Star Style and on Express Yourself. We're doing Super Smart Sundays, 3 p.m. Pacific, where we're also bringing you people who have been impacted by COVID-19 and have all their income reduced or ended because they can't, uh, they can't work. So please tune in. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, and motivate. See beyond your physical being. Know you are ready to star. Dream of the future. Cherish the past, but celebrate today because this could be the last breath we take. Read a book this week and also check out The Magical Universe of the Ancients. It's a lovely coffee table book. And also consider making donation to Be The Star You Are. Go to btsya.org or bethestaryouare.org. And for more information about Star Style Production, visit cynthiabryan.com. Until next week, when we celebrate once again, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles keep us happy. And raise a toast to be the star you are, 21 years of serving the world, making a difference, and helping young people and empowering women. Thank you for joining me. My name is Cynthia Bryan. You've been listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We'll be together next Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific right here on Voice America. Be the star you are, the star you are, be the star you are, you are the 
It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.